You are now listening to the Inner Circle Podcast Network. Konnichiwa, motherfuckers. What is good? Everybody, welcome to Abakabu Cafe. This is the internet's own English language, Kimagure Orange Road podcast. I am the host of this here program. My name is Jason Almi. I want to welcome you very, very much. Very, very grateful to have you here listening to this episode. Thank you for pressing play on this bad boy because I'm here to talk about Television episode 33 entitled Strange Madoka, the mushroom of 120% truth. This episode originally aired on November 16th of 1987. So long ago, raise your hand if you were born, if you were alive in 1987. This episode was directed by Kobayashi Kazuhiko. Now, Kobayashi previously directed episode number one. And that's it. Kobayashi has not directed an episode since the very first episode of Orange Road. He's back 32 episodes later to direct another one. Today's episode was written by Ohashi Yukiyoshi, who has written a number of episodes that we've talked about so far, including episode 13. That's the uh, super transformation episode for Shikaru. She turns into a super 1980s it's kind of amazing that that episode came out in 1987 it was like they were lampooning themselves from the future it's like the way people make fun of the 80s today with decades of hindsight they knew in 1987 like this is how we're going to make fun of ourselves even in the moment it's pretty incredible that they were able to do that ohashi also wrote episode 16 that's the ufo episode kooky episode, although aren't they all, at least in some regards. Ohashi also wrote OVA number two, that's Hawaiian Suspense. That one's a little bit of a serious episode. They get roughed up a little bit. I don't know what Ohashi was thinking when when he wrote that one, but Ohashi also wrote episode 23, which is Kasuga Dreaming of Domestic Violence. So I don't know what that says about Ohashi writing in these scenes where Kasuga's imagining himself smacking Ayukawa around I don't know about that one. Episode 27, 
Kosuga was supposed to defend Ayukua in that one from the from the uh, female gang, but he doesn't. He just stands around like a goober and gets choked a little bit. Ohashi also wrote, most recently, episode 30, which is the episode where he tries to make us believe that Kurumi has a soul after all, but I'm wise to your games at this point, so I'm not buying it. Kurumi having a soul plays capable of love? I doubt it. Now, in this episode, we begin with Shikaru having some form of premonitory dream. Of course, we all know Shikaru does not have ESP. That's impossible. Quit talking crazy, Jason, but hear me out. She has a dream in which she sees Kasuga and Ayukua together as a couple, and they're walking away from her. They're leaving her behind, and they're moving on with a relationship. It's symbolized by uh, her dreamscape dressing them in uh, wedding attire. You know, Kasuga is wearing a tux. He's wearing a white tux, which is a little bit odd. You're going to spill something on that. I mean, black tux or navy or dark brown, much, much better. But he's wearing a white tux, and Ayukua is, of course, wearing a Western-style bridal gown, all white, in Shikaru's dream. Nightmare, maybe. And even though we never see Kasuga and Ayukua tie the knot, it's accurate to say that they do eventually embark upon a relationship. They do eventually leave uh, Shikaru behind. Seeing the two of them together in her dream is not wrong. It is somewhat premonitory. We don't know at the time that we're watching this episode that it is. I mean, at least the first time we're watching this episode. So a first-time viewer wouldn't recognize it as premonitory necessarily, but we viewers who have seen all of these episodes, we know that this is she's seeing the future in a way. It's honestly more accurate, at least in spirit, than most of Kasuga's weak-ass predictions. I think what this shows us is that Shikaru's awareness of Kasuga and Ayukua's mutual feelings is clearly increasing. Her dream seems to suggest that she subconsciously knows that Kasuga and Ayukua have feelings for each other. She does seem to be in denial, at least in her waking hours. When Kasuga wakes her up, she's seen trying to shake off that feeling of her nightmare. We get a tight shot of her face after she's realized that she's awake. She's she's hugged Kasuga, and we get a tight shot of her face, and she kind of shakes her head. She's trying to shake that dream off. But, but clearly, that shot is meant to indicate to us that the feelings of that dream are lingering. I mean, anybody who's woken up from a, a weird dream, especially a bad dream, that feeling does tend to linger. You're relieved to know that it was a dream, but sometimes that weird kind of, negative feeling it gives you sort of lingers a little bit into your waking moments. And so clearly the idea that her subconscious is feeding her, that Ayukua and Kasuka might have a thing and might wind up together and that Kasuka might prefer Ayukua and that Ayukua might reciprocate his feelings. Her subconscious is feeding her that in a dream. And in her waking hours, I think she's realizing that there might be some credence there. There's a reason why she's having that dream. But again, it seems like she's maybe trying to deny it a little bit, especially at the outside of this episode. I mean, I would say if she knows consciously that Kasuga and Ayuko wants to be together, then she's really only delaying the inevitable by persisting in her efforts to date Kasuga. But if you know somebody is not really into you and you're trying to date them, you probably on some level know you're wasting your time too, and you might be better off trying to date someone who's more enthusiastic about being with you. She should really rip this Band-Aid off instead, I think. So, you know, in some way, she may be responsible for a portion of her own heartbreak that she experiences in Anoshi 
presuming that she's known all along, as she does claim in that movie, maybe she should have um, cut bait a little earlier. There's a sunk cost fallacy, I think, maybe to Shikaru's reasoning that she's already put so much time into Kasuga that she loses if she gives up on him. We all know that that sunk cost is a fallacy. It's kind of cool. I mean, we routinely see inside Kasuga's head, but this is a, a somewhat rare peek inside of Shikaru's. We have seen some of Shikaru's daydreams, fantasies, episode 10, notably, we see one. Um, we never see inside of Ayuko's head, I should say, uh, except for maybe the occasional flashback. She might flash back to the day before when Kasuga said something to her, but we never see inside of her head. We don't see any of her fantasies or dreams or 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 daydreams or imaginings and and there's a purpose to that I'll, I'll touch back on that in a moment it helps to recenter the narrative of this episode on shikaru's experience by by showing things from her perspective this dream from her perspective and i think it also helps to build audience sympathy for her it, it works at least for me it makes me feel more connected to the shikaru character She's not just some blissfully ignorant ditz who exists to frustrate the audience by blocking the main characters from hooking up, as she is sometimes accused of on the internet. There's an important narrative function to Shikaru's character, which is to prolong this romantic tension between Kasuga and Ayukua. She's the primary buffer that holds them apart. You know, they're drawn to each other, but she's this buffer between them, keeping them at a distance that sustains this romantic tension, will they, won't they, for 48 episodes plus OVA. But also by showing us her dream and her response after that dream, it's very humanizing. It turns her into a person. It's easy to identify with that as a viewer. The filmmaker set us up to feel her pain here too. She's not just a narrative tool. And so in my mind, this is something that Orange Road, it's an example of something that Orange Road does phenomenally well, uh, which is to really humanize these characters and really provide us with some very uh, well-rounded, well-developed main characters, at least. Uh, I don't know that that praise applies to characters like Komatsu and Hata and, and Yusaku, who are, are more uh, one-sided, one-dimensional. But certainly for our main characters that, are, that we follow every single episode, we do come to care about them, and it is because of uh, narrative elements and filmmaking elements like this, these lingering shots that linger on Shikaru's response to her dream. And, and, and it's little, it's, it's easy to miss. It's not very noticeable. They don't call a lot of attention to it. But by doing that along the way, they really do build up a lot of sympathy for these characters and a lot of uh, emotional investment from the audience to the character. Now, on the other side of that, we we have some clunky exposition here, and, and that's not uncommon of Orange Road episodes. So the entire crew has joined Master on a mushroom hunting expedition, because I guess that's something you do, right? It's just normal. I don't know. What, what did you go to an aquarium for a field trip when you were in school? These guys go mushroom hunting, and you know hopefully they'll find something that makes them trip balls. So there's one mushroom that will get the the consumer of the mushroom if you eat it it'll make you tell the 120 percent truth and who the f knows where the other 20 percent comes from 
I'm having a hard time understanding how anything can be 20% more true than, than something that's already completely true. So I kind of think semantics caps us at 100% truth. I think that's as high as we're going to get. Also, it grows only once per decade, but here it is. It's ready just in time for this week's episode when the gang all goes mushroom hunting. So very, very convenient, a little clunky on the dialogue because we have to set up this truth mushroom that everybody wants to get their hands on. And wouldn't it be great if Kasuga got Ayuko to eat some and then we'd get to find out what Ayuko was really thinking and feeling. But it sets up this narrative and master sort of has to explain everything and it's once a decade. And I don't know why we need that detail because it just makes the whole thing seem even more uh, unlikely, but, uh, but okay. Finally, we need to split everybody into boy girl pairs for some reason. We can't all go search as a large group. We've got to split everybody into boy girl pairs and it has to be a boy girl pair. So that might be the clunkiest element of this, this exposition, this setup Okay, sure. I mean, whatever works. But we're assuming, based on previous episodes, like episode uh, 19, where Kasuga somehow finagles things to get paired up with Ayukawa in the rowboats when they're rowing out to the island. Even though that was completely implausible, in my opinion, as well, there's no reason for them to draw straws. Shikaru and Kasuga are dating, so they would pair up, and then the other pair would be Yusaku and Ayukawa. Anyway, Kasuga finagled things in episode 19 so that he would end up with Ayukawa. And the assumption here is that something very similar will happen. Kasuga, in fact, winks at Ayukawa when he announces that he anticipated this boy-girl pairing thing that doesn't make any sense. And because he anticipated it, he made lottery sticks. They all pull a stick, and whoever's stick matches the other person's, there we go. We got a pair. Clearly, Kasuga wants to spend the day with Ayukawa. That's not news to anybody. Ayukawa has a flashback here of Kasuga telling her to pick the long stick. He sets it up. He's relying on her wanting to spend the day with him as well. She's reciprocating his desire to spend the day together. So once again, it seems that Shikaru will be separated from Kasuga. Maybe she'll be paired with Yusaku. Ayukawa even apologizes in her mind to Shikaru. She feels a little bit of guilt about choosing to be with Kasuga and thereby depriving Shikaru of spending the day with, with Kasuga. So she feels this guilt, but she's going to do it anyway because her desire to be with Kasuga outweighs the guilt she feels for the pain that that's going to inevitably cause Shikaru. And that's consistent with episode 15, which was the episode where Ayukawa, I guess, put the period to the love triangle. She's uh, tried to give up Kasuga for five minutes. He called her 18 times from a payphone outside her house, and everything was good. She decided she couldn't resist him after all. And in that episode, we do get some focus on Ayukawa's past with Shikaru and the way that she would kind of coddle Shikaru and that since Shikaru was a little bit less capable and younger than Ayukawa, Ayukawa would oftentimes kind of share the spoils with Shikaru. She would give up that clover. That became a memory that was that was symbolic of Ayukawa's willingness to hand something over to Shikaru that Shikaru wanted to give something up. And, and in the case of Kasuga, she's deciding to pursue things with Kasuga from pretty much from 15 on. She knew that there was some guilt associated with their relationship. She and she and 
Kosaga. Uh, there's some guilt associated with that for Ayukawa, but of course, Kosaka has a vote in, he's not a four-leaf clover that can be simply handed over to Shikaru. He gets some say in who he wants to be with, but then also that Ayuko doesn't want to completely give up on her own shot at happiness. And we see that here, that she still feels that guilt. There's that residual guilt here, but she's still going to choose to be with Kosaka anyway. So happily, the expectation that I had that that Kosaka would finagle his pairing with Ayuko is subverted here. It even seems like Kasuga set up Ayukawa to pick the wrong one. There's a tight shot of her face as she's looking angry about it. And then there's a slow zoom in. It really reinforces her response. She's a little pissed off right now, and she's kind of blaming Kasuga for it like he set her up. Now, cut to a shot of Kasuga looking equally disappointed to have missed his chance with Ayukawa. It should be clear to us, again, whom Kasuga prefers. It should be clear to Kasuga too. I don't know that the filmmakers want us to believe that all the time. I think they want us to believe that Kasuga is having a harder time deciding between the two girls than he really is. Because I think, and I've said it many times on this program, that I believe Kasuga would choose Aiko in, in a heartbeat and that he's in a position where he's kind of stuck. Part of that's his personality and part of it's his inexperience. And I'll talk more about that in the future as well. Kasuga seems to know that he prefers Ayukawa. I, I think he always has known that he prefers Ayukawa from episode one. This is the point in the series, too, where he really seems to be stringing Shikaru along unnecessarily. I ask myself, is he still dating Shikaru because he's afraid that Ayukawa will be upset with him if he hurts Shikaru's feelings by breaking up with her? Or is he still dating Shikaru because he doesn't know how to extricate himself from that situation? I think it could be a little bit of both. Por que no los dos? But I also think that it's not just his fear of pissing off Ayukua because he dumped Shikaru. I think it's his people-pleasing nature. It's very difficult for him to be the bearer of bad news. It's difficult for him to act in a way that's going to hurt someone's feelings. It's difficult for him to break up with Shikaru, even though I think he knows it's the right thing to do, and I think he knows that he prefers Ayukua. He's having a hard time with dumping Shikaru, and part of that is also inexperience, that he doesn't know how to assert himself. He doesn't know how to get himself out of a situation like this either because it's his first time, right? It's not easy. Now, Shikaru's nightmare from the opening of the episode precipitates her request for him to eat the mushroom of truth. She's kind of testing him due to her own doubts and her own subconscious doubts that are growing into her uh, conscious awareness. So there's this test that's going to hang over Kasuga's head as well. I thought pairing Ayuko with Komatsu was a lot of fun. It's sort of a result of of subverting that expectation that Ayuko and Kasuga would be paired. And Komatsu, no doubt, would have wanted to be paired with one of the twins. And he, he grovels to Ayuko. And it's kind of spineless and pathetic, but it's on brand for him. Komatsu observes that Ayukawa is reserved or aloof, even more than usual today. He opines that her reserved nature makes her mysterious and gives her an air of sophistication and maturity that intrigues men. And I don't think he's wrong. In that sense, Ayukawa's attempts to avoid this broad attention and prevent people from becoming close to her has kind of a paradoxical effect. 
she creates this air of mystery that ends up garnering her the very attentions that she would rather avoid. It also relates directly to what I said earlier about never seeing inside of Ayuko's head, except for a, the briefest of flashbacks. But there's a practical reason for us to not see inside Ayuko's head, and I mean her dreams, I mean her hopes, I mean her her daydreams and her fantasies, the way that we do see Kasuga's all the time and sometimes Shikaru's. The practical reason is that it suspends this love triangle I talked about, uh, suspending this, this tension, this will-they-won't-they they tension, and they need to suspend that by providing a bit of ambiguity regarding Ayukawa's true feelings. Although there's plenty of evidence that she really likes Kasuga. I mean, she's tried to smooch him on many occasions, including a little bit later in this episode. But by not showing us inside of Ayukawa's head, by not showing us the dreams that, that Ayukawa has about Kasuga or the nightmares that she might have about him shacking up with Shikaru and getting married to her by not showing us it suspends this love triangle it provides this little bit of ambiguity to the way she might feel and at the same time the phenomena that Komatsu observes here also affects us the audience it's not just the other male characters in the show that are intrigued by Ayukawa's air of mystery Ayukawa is tremendously popular with audiences and it's because she alternatively invites viewers into her inner world we do see her bedroom we see her talking to her stuffed bear uh, we see her intimate home and family life over the course of the the series but at the same time, it sort of denies us that same intimacy that we get with Kasuga and to a lesser extent, Shikaru. With that said, Komatsu doesn't seem especially charmed by Ayukawa, and he even says that he wants to force her to eat the mushroom of truth so that he can see what she's all about. That's a sort of a weird plan at first, but then when you think about it, his motivation to find the mushroom is because he's frustrated by the very phenomena that only moments earlier he drew the audience's attention to. He's frustrated by the fact that he doesn't know who Ayukawa is or what she's about, that she holds him at arm's length. Unlike Kasuga, who takes a wholesome, mostly wholesome, and organic approach to get to know Ayukawa and get past her emotional defenses, Komatsu lacks the personal touch, yet he resents Ayukawa for, for casting him aside and for disqualifying him and deeming him unworthy of her uh, friendship, essentially. At the end of the day, Komatsu is unworthy of Ayukawa, and he thinks that the mushroom of truth is his golden ticket through these gates to get closer to Ayukawa, to know what's inside her head. He wants to take the short route. Unlike Kasuga, who's willing to put in the work, Komatsu just wants to force the gates open, and he's pissed at Ayukawa for even wanting to have that privacy. And that's why he's an unworthy character. Now, the Kurumi and Hata pairing is pretty much what you'd expect. Kurumi winds up using the power to change the mushrooms, which is kind of Akane-ish. I mean, that's she's sort of using the power of suggestion to make everybody see uh, the mushrooms as a different color, and it's that sort of doesn't seem like it's part of Kurumi's power set, but but also I think Kurumi can like pull the tricks out of her sleeve when she needs to. Now she does this to get Hata to eat the wrong mushroom, but there are other effects. She winds up uh, focusing 
so hard that that she doesn't just change those few mushrooms in color she changes all the mushrooms in the forest i guess to that blue color of the mushroom of truth and so this has a chaotic effect because other characters begin eating this mushroom thinking it's the mushroom of truth or accidentally consuming it it proves my earlier hypothesis that kurumi is this agent of chaos she's acting in pursuit of her desire to to fool or trick Hata into eating the, the mushroom, this non-mushroom of truth, and 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 sort of uh, embarrass him or humiliate him or emasculate him or who knows? Maybe she thought it was the poison one and he would just die. But the fact that she's so willing to allow this spillover of effects to to uh, occur and all of these other characters now affected by this mushroom. It shows us that she's willing to create this chaos. And maybe she didn't know she was going to do it. She didn't know what was going to happen. But she's will, willing to roll the dice and take these risks that wind up introducing this, this chaos. So she's still this amoral agent of chaos here. I did appreciate Hata accusing her of being constipated while she's concentrating on the mushrooms. It's kind of low-hanging fruit. You can't just ask somebody if they're having trouble shitting and call it humor, right? But it also acknowledges how silly the power use can seem to others. You know, when we see the characters scrunching up their faces and closing their eyes and concentrating to use the power, it seems kind of normal to us. But if you ever wonder what all of the people standing around must be thinking while that person is scrunching their eyes up and and trying to levitate something i mean it must look really ridiculous to someone who's not aware of the esp use that's occurring at that moment you just think what is what is wrong with this person so it's kind of a a a good joke to make because it acknowledges that hata was sitting there that whole time that she was concentrating and using the power and he's just wondering what the hell is she doing she's got to be constipated now while talking with yusaku manami calls Shikaru, a walking mushroom of truth, meaning that she wears her heart on her sleeve. She's open about her feelings without needing the influence of the mushroom. And it's an important line to this episode's theme, I think. It it sets up this idea that Shikaru is maybe the most honest character, but I would question that in a few minutes. Apparently, Kazuya and Jingaro only came along for some more super ham-fisted exposition. Kazuya attempts to cross this old bridge only to be rescued by Master, who then yells at Kazuya and says, don't cross these really old-ass bridges. There's a bunch of really old-ass bridges in this forest, but don't even try to cross them, even though they're kind of inviting. And you wonder why they bothered to animate this scene and record that dialogue and edit it into the show. You shouldn't. You shouldn't wonder. Obvious setup is obvious. Speaking of wondering... I've always wondered, did Ayukawa accidentally bite the mushroom of truth when Kasuga knocked into her, or did she willfully eat it? We don't ever see her bite into it. In a kind of an effective shot, we see her legs as she stands back up, and then a moment later, the mushroom hits the ground with a bite missing. And then we hear this. It's Orange Vice, kind of sexy music. So we get this audio cue which is meant to convince us that Ayukua has eaten the Mushroom of Truth and now she's unable to hold back her feelings towards Kasuga. And she embraces him. She just goes right for it. No inhibitions here. So clearly the Mushroom's having some effect. 
And it's far less wordy than I had imagined the mushroom of truth might be. I imagined the mushroom of truth might involve some gushing about one's feelings, but she doesn't say nothing. She just puts her arms around Kasuga and she's going for it. All signs point to she ate the thing and she wants to smooch Kasuga. But then Ayuka was bitten by a snake. Kind of random, but it gives Kasuga the opportunity to perform an act of service for her. And you've got to think at this point that he really must speak her love language. She always seems impressed by his gestures when he does something for her. And the mood here is softened from earlier in the scene when Orange Vice is replaced by Reminiscence of You in the Red Straw Hat, which I'm playing for us now. And it's not the lustful passion that seemed to result from the mushroom. So this is a moment where Ayukawa seems truly touched and connected to Kasuga as a person who's like looking out for her. He wants to help her. He's, he's got this true concern about her because she just got bit by a snake. He doesn't know is venomous or not. Now, Kasuga's approach here is juxtaposed with Komatsu's. We can see how wrong Komatsu is in his approach. Ayukawa goes in for yet another kiss here, but she's even got her hands on his cheeks this time. And it's kind of tender. It's one of those tender, she's laid her hands on his face, but it's also like she ain't letting him get away. Like in episode 26, you know, in Abakabu, she's waiting for him to lay the smooch on her. And, and Kasuga comes in at that moment and butts his head so that he and Kazu can switch bodies again, but it leaves her high and dry. She's like waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it, opens her eyes and he's not there. So I, I kind of saw this as like, I'm going to hold your face so you can't move this time. You're getting it this time. And of course, Shikaru witnesses this moment from very close up. We have a silent zoom out to extend the moment by a few seconds. Really let us ride that tension. Let that audience whisper, oh shit. Then we get the eye catch. Got to go with the cliffhanger right here. After the eye catch, they actually draw this moment out for another several wordless seconds before Shikaru runs off. And it's like no one can say anything. They're all so shocked, all three of them. Like the previous episode, Shikaru witnesses a compromised Kasuga with Ayukawa, and she runs off hurt. It's a bit of a rehash in that sense. It was episode 20 that first teased the audience with the question of what might happen if Shikaru witnessed something between Ayukawa and Kasuga. And we saw this response again in the previous episode, although it was undone by some time travel. And it seems like everybody is eating the wrong mushrooms today. Hata is this pathetic mess. He's listing all of his odious physical qualities. And Yusaku not being able to contain his laughter, I thought was was kind of brilliant because he's usually such a serious, self-important prick. It makes his confession to Shikaru seem like he's making a joke, like he's messing with her. So that was kind of a brilliant turn on or play on his usual persona and, and attitude. Uh, Uma and Ushiko appear here as farmers only for Ayukawa to steal their horse and this is a prime example of the type of Uma and Ushiko appearance that involves the, the main characters just imposing on them. It's like Kasuga showing up in their car butt naked when they were about to do something. It's just 
our characters invade their blissful romance. Their happily ever after is interrupted by our characters who really exist just to fuck with them. Kasuga goes out onto the rickety bridge to save Shikaru. No problem. He only gets nervous when he agrees to eat the mushroom of truth. That's uh, some strange priorities. Falling to his death, eh, not a big concern, but she's going to make me eat this mushroom of truth, and I'm going to spill my guts about how I love Ayukawa. Oh, man, this is going to be bad, right? And if there was ever a time to use the power, it would be hanging off a rickety bridge. There's no point in taking that secret to the grave. And that horse is the real MVP. With that, Uma Anushko actually had an effect on the plot this week. This is very rare for Uma Anushko to actually have any form of effect on the plot. They're just for fun, right? They're a wink at the audience most of the time. They're just a recurring gag, a joke. But the fact that they had a horse and Aikua took the horse and the horse wound up saving everybody's ass means that that vis-a-vis the horse, they were able to have a real impact on today's plot. Now, Ayukua is looking at Kasuga with a pretty happy expression on her face. I don't know if she's impressed that he risked himself to save Shikaru, or maybe she's just glad he's alive. But it seems that Ayukua was in her right mind when she tried to kiss Kasuga earlier. We get a little bit more ham-fisted resolution when Kurumi uh, trots over to Kasuga to inform Kasuga and, and thus the audience that if something bites you, the effects of these mushrooms wear off. I don't know how the hell she would know that or it doesn't make any sense, but it allows Kasuga to realize that Ayuko's second more tender attempt at a kiss was legit. That was her attempting to smooch him without the influence of uh, mind-altering uh, substances. The the real uh, predicament of the episode is resolved when Shikaru more or less shrugs off what she saw between Kasuga and Ayukawa. She seems uh, to indicate a willingness to delude herself in order to maintain the status quo here, at least in my opinion. And she thinks that the gesture that Kasuga risked his life to save her, he crossed this rickety bridge to get her and then he, he he risks his life to bring her to safety. He even falls from the bridge with her, tied to her. She's accepting that as proof of his feelings, that, that he passed the test without having to eat the mushroom. She wanted to test him. She wanted to see if she could rely on his feelings, and she feels like she can. But just because Kasuga came to save her, doesn't mean he prefers her romantically over Ayukawa. And in fact, we all know who've seen this entire series that he does continue to prefer Ayukawa romantically. He's very worried about Shikaru in this episode. We see how concerned he is for her safety. And he does take great risk himself to try to bring her to safety. So he's certainly willing to risk his neck for her, but that doesn't mean that he wants to be with her more than he wants to be with Ayukawa. And so it's funny that Manami called her the walking mushroom of truth when, in my opinion, she's being kind of dishonest with herself here. I think this episode might be the episode that we can point to, to when exactly did Shikaru realize on a conscious level that Kasuka preferred Ayukawa, that they had something going on, there was something between them, and that it was very different and much more profound 
than what Chicago and Costco have. And so in the sense that we now consider her the most honest character because she's willing to display her affections for Kasuga, sure. But the idea that Shikaru is so willing to shower Kasuga with affection regardless of who's around to witness, that's an argument in favor of her honesty, but then with herself. And she wants to believe that what she's got with Kasuga is real because he'd, he'd risk his neck for her. But I think it from this episode on, at least, she knows to some degree that she's fooling herself. What you can do is don't fool yourself. You know you want to go over to patreon.com slash teamalmy and support Team Almy Studios on Patreon. You know you want to do it. I'm going to send you something in the mail. Everybody gets something in the mail, at least. So I'm going to send you something to say thank you. You're also going to get bonus content we're going to be doing a full analysis of the shonen jump special the pilot episode of this series it's a weird episode it's very weird to hear the different voices but i'm going to talk all about it and that's going to be a patreon exclusive also i'm going to be cooking a katsusan i'm going to be doing that one on video i'll do a live youtube video you get to see me burn myself with boiling oil live Follow me to the hospital after I fail to cook a katsusan, but I give myself fourth-degree burns on both hands. I would very much appreciate you, so thank you to all of my patrons. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for supporting Team Almy Studios. I would also love it if you guys would check out one of my other podcasts. It's called Creatures of the Night. It's all in good fun. It's a little wacky. There's more profanity than this show, but... But it's fun, and you need other things to listen to. I know you need other things to listen to during the week. So check out Creatures of the Night. There's a link in the show notes. I want to say thank you again to everybody who's listened to this episode. I truly do, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate every single person who leaves a review, who DMs me, who makes a public post on on one of the socials, just to say that you're listening to the show. I love it. I love how many other Orange Road fans are out there and how passionate they all are about this series. It makes me feel like I'm in good company and I'm not just a crazy person for loving the show. There's more people out there like me. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to this show and for supporting me. I do appreciate you. In the meantime, please enjoy this Earl Knight remix of some incredible Orange Road soundtrack. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks again for listening.